Welcome to Happy Healthy You, the podcast. I'm Connie Bowman. Today we're talking with a true entertainer. Robert Strong is a California-based comedian and magician. He makes people laugh while entertaining them with magic. But what's really going on behind the scenes in the life of a comic magician? Well, we're going to find out. Hi, Robert. Thanks for coming on the show. Hi, Connie. Thanks for having me. So you saw your first street magician where at Baltimore Harbor? Is that what it was? Yeah, I was uh, 12 years old, and I saw a magician in the amphitheater in the Baltimore Inner Harbor. And I went home, I told my parents that's exactly what I want to do, and they were very supportive. And uh, I'd say when I was about 25, that was about 12 years later, I ran into a magician in Orlando, Florida, and it turned out it was a magician I had seen 12 and a half years earlier. And uh, we've become very good friends since then. You're kidding. You ran into him again just kind of randomly and, and uh, told him what you were doing and that he inspired you? Yes. Uh, we figured it out. I was telling him about what year it was, uh, what the magician looked like, what he did, and put out some old photos, and it was him. So that was a, a fantastic way to reconnect with the person who inspired me to, or actually changed my life. Well, I'd say that's... John Eakin. Oh, what's his name? Uh, John Eakin, J-O-H-N. K-I-N, and his website's Ah, nice. Nice little shout out to John. Well, that's pretty magical that that happened. So now yeah. you... <laughs> Fantastic performer. Nice yeah. guy. Nicest guy in the world. Awesome. Awesome. Well, now you perform for all kinds of different audiences, corporate audiences, and you've also performed for presidents. Tell us about that. I performed for two presidents, George Bush Sr. and Bill Clinton. And uh, one of the fun stories I have is when I went through the security with all my gear for George Bush Sr., they took apart everything, they looked at everything, which for a magician it breaks your heart that they get to see all the behind the scenes. And then uh, when I went through the, the security gate with Bill Clinton, they basically said, what are you here for? I told him I was the magician. They said, come on in. They said, oh, no, you checked the bombs at the other gate. We're just kidding. Come on in. <laughs> and and um, they barely looked at my stuff, which was a big difference in, in how they, they ran the White House, I guess. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I'd say. I'd say. So what's your most popular trick? Oh, that's hard to say. For uh, different audiences, different times. Um, uh, the one that uh, people seem to really respond to is there's a routine where I get all shackled up, and the audience can see me getting in and out of the shackles, and the volunteer on stage cannot see it, and at the end of the routine, I give back his watch, his wallet, his keys, his phone, and I've been picking his pocket the whole time while apparently I'm shackled up. That one just operates at many levels, and it's such a, uh, you know, you don't have a parachute. You kind of go into it, and you start picking pockets, and it goes the direction it goes. And so it's always very exciting. It gives a real adrenaline rush. Wow. Well, I'm a believer. I, I totally believe in magic. And um, the only thing is I think I could not be hypnotized. Are there people that can't be hypnotized? Because I, I really I, don't think I, I can. Do a, I do a comedy hypnotism routine. I don't do real hypnotism. I would say I'm probably not the best person to comment on that, but I, what I know about hypnotism is if you don't want to be hypnotized, you won't be hypnotized. Yeah. I don't know if you could do that. I'm pretty tough. Do you think you really... Do you, do you, you say in one of your videos that you have ESP. Now, can you really read people's minds? Are you reading people? No, no. What I do is tricks, but I, I would say this. Um, people, smarter audiences, are easier to fool. Really? And it's counterintuitive, but it's true. And I've been doing this 29 years, and I think it's just been always been true. Uh, smart people follow directions and instructions, and that's how the brain works. And 
uh, if you hand them something, they look where you're handing to them, you make eye contact, you make eye contact, and those are the moments, the precious little moments where we do the misdirection. However, if uh, you're with someone who's not as intelligent and you give specific directions, you hand somebody something or give them eye contact, they don't follow those social norms. Um, lack of intelligence, I don't know why. But then they say, oh, you just put that in your pocket or you just got that from behind the table. And they are much more difficult to fool. Hmm. Well, I, I'm not sure which category I fall into. <laughs> so, so, but I think I'd be pretty, pretty foolable. Now, I really want to talk to you about comedy. Do you remember the first time you knew you were funny? Yeah, I remember the first time I was funny and I was like, wow, I got such a uh, squirt of adrenaline in my brain and I want that. I want more of that all the time. I've never actually told a story on air or recorded. Um, I was seven, maybe six and a half, seven years old, and it's going to be hard to tell over the radio, but uh, <laughs> over the phone. But uh, what happened was, is my brother and mother were looking out the back window, and there was a jogger who maybe had a muscular um, deformation. His head was tilted all the way, so his ear was practically touching his left shoulder, but he was jogging. And my brother said, he's running funny. And so I tilted my head all the way to the side, and I said, it looks perfectly fine to me. And they laughed, and that was the first time I ever got a laugh. And it was an original joke that I wrote in that moment. I'm like, wow, this is what I want to do. And as I get older, I kind of focus more on what's called the meta joke, which is exactly that kind of joke, and, and uh, specifically improvisation, which is my favorite kind of way to get a laugh. Yeah, yeah. So is that where you get your material, just from life, from, like, organic situations? Uh, well, how I create material is probably a little bit different than other people. I'm very confident. So I go out there on stage with a new routine that's got the, the skeleton or the framework of the routine. And I just hit the points that I need to so that the trick works. And then I kind of riff or improvise the material. And what happens is in the moment, I create things that are just structurally sound because that's how my brain works. But often the audience will give me something and they'll say, hey, I thought you were going to do this. Or they'll, they'll throw out, wouldn't it be funny if, or, or they just uh, heckle. But there's two kinds of heckle. They do the good kind of heckling, and it's just so solid it becomes part of the show. Yeah, I like that you say you're confident. <laughs> I think that's pretty funny. Does that, does anything ever go wrong? And you just like, have you ever had a situation where a joke didn't work or something just goes wrong? And you, you know, well, that's improv is dealing with that. But has it ever gone wrong and really ruffled your feathers, Mister Confidence? Things always go wrong, <laughs> and that's where you get those really beautiful moments because people really connect to somebody who. Uh, something goes wrong and then they come out of it in a really graceful way. So the audience really likes to see that. Um, and improv is a concept of just letting it go, putting it behind you, keep looking forward and moving forward. And so, yeah, I, I have a good attitude about it. So when something goes wrong, people certainly respond positively. But I also um, have learned that there's really great theatrical tension when something goes wrong. So when something goes wrong and it works really well, it goes wrong every show from then on because... Um, well, I'll tell you about laughter. Laughter is always a release of tension. Yeah, so if you build sure. the right amount of tension, you get a good laugh. If you build too much tension, people get stressed out. If you build not enough tension, there's no joke there, and and there's no release of with laughter. So, so yeah, there's there's when things go wrong, beautiful things can happen. Now, and you you asked me if something ever went wrong. Um, I in my lifetime, I've I've thought that oh, everything that can go wrong can go wrong. Well, a couple of years ago. <laughs> I was performing at a bar mitzvah, and the grandfather of bar mitzvah boy killed over and died on my stage. So no that way! Was, that definitely ruffled my feathers. <laughs> you have people that throw up. I had, I was uh, on a cruise ship, and you could hear the heaving sound in the audience, and I called. 
encouraged him to leave and come back and see another show. And he, he wasn't leaving. I asked him why he wasn't leaving. He said, I'm enjoying the show too much. And I grew up again. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. So working, uh, oh, yeah. even vomit works into your show. Yeah, that's pretty That's pretty cool. You must be good at improv. <laughs> How I handled it was actually very funny. So, I mean, I certainly might not, hopefully we'll never have that situation again, but it made the show very entertaining. And my, my second seating had a lot more audience members because the people came back to see me again to see what, what could go wrong again. <laughs> yeah, I've done dinner theater, so I've had similar uh, experiences, but I won't go into them right now because <laughs> this is about you. Are people naturally funny, or do you think you can teach? Do you think comedy is a teachable skill? I think it's mostly teachable, not always, but I think that people are funny in different ways. And if you look at the different archetypes that are maybe in a sitcom, not everybody's funny in the verbal way. Some, you know, um, uh, I don't know the first first show that pops into my head is Seinfeld. You've got the Costanza character that's, you know, selfish and narcissistic and and um, neurotic and he's funny in that way. And then you got the Kramer character that's physically funny and, you know, he's not verbally funny. And, you know, you've got uh, the other characters, Elaine, who's, I, I guess, more in her head and uh, picky and all that. So, I mean, if you put a person, if you cast somebody well in a part, they can be funny in, in their way. I agree. I agree. Who's your favorite comedian? Yeah, sure. My favorite comedian. Um, I would say Johnny Carson and Victor Borga. And the reason Johnny oh. Carson is because he always allowed the guests to be the star and, and let them get the joke. And it was never anybody else's expense. He was, you know, a very big hearted, uh, I'd say, co performer, even though they were guests, not, not, not uh, co stars. But uh, the little old lady who collected potato chips, he allowed her to be funny and gave her space to be a star. Um, and then the other one is Victor Borga because he was a fantastic piano player, a, a great musician, but he didn't take the art so seriously. So he would, uh, I would, I don't want to say compromise, but he would uh, prioritize the joke over the, um, you know, him playing really well. And both of them were kind of selfless in some way. They weren't going for um, their, getting their stature raised. It was really about the guest or about the art form. Hmm. Yeah, great observations. And Ellen DeGeneres does a lot of the same things that you mentioned Johnny Carson does. She really lets the the guests shine. And even when she, I love when she talks to kids because she yeah. just gets down to their level and she's just so real. I, I like her. Yeah, she's fantastic. Yeah. Can you teach me to tell a decent joke? That would be magic. Can I teach you to tell a good joke? Because um, I, I kind of suck. Well, Well, that's the other thing. I can never remember a joke. I'm, I, I hear a joke and I'm like, I'm going to remember that. And then, you know, in one ear and out the other. So yeah, I, I have a couple of issues. Carry a, carry a joke list. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with carrying a joke list. And if you refer to it often enough, your mind's eye will see the joke list before you even open up the, the phone. Okay, um, where, do, where do I get my joke list? Uh, when you hear a joke that you like, write it down. Okay. Um, Practical advice. I don't know. <laughs> Okay. Joke, joke. In my show, I, I don't tell joke jokes. But, right. Uh, a guy is walking by an insane asylum. He hears hundreds of people chanting, 13, 13, 13. It's getting louder and faster. 
13, 13, the guy gets so curious he finds a little hole in the fence. Puts his eye up to the hole, gets poked in the eye, then hears him chanting, 14, 14, 14. Did it play over the phone? <laughs> oh, I get it. <laughs> you get poked, right, right. So I get a little visual. You, you poke with your finger when you do that. But so how I remember the joke is I actually turn it into a visual. In my mind's eye, I can see the fence. Okay. I can see the hole in the fence, and I can see the guy's eye up against the fence. So when I want to tell the joke, I just see that image, and then I, I tell it. And I'm not using exactly the same words every time I tell it. I'm recreating what's in my mind, the picture that's in my mind. Yeah, yeah, memorization techniques. I guess I have to apply yeah. them to my jokes. Okay, this is Happy Healthy You. So what kind of things do you do as a performer to keep yourself sort of happy, healthy, grounded, you know, physically in body, mind, spirit? And space. Um, so, um, for me, I try to keep my space in a way that I guess, not technically sanctuary, but just is a healthy space. Um, I eat as healthy as I can. I live in San Francisco, so I'm spoiled very inexpensively. We get <sighs> yeah. really healthy food, organic, locally grown. Um, and then sleep, I find, is very important. And um, I exercise. I go to the gym six, six to seven days a week. And I mix up between uh, cardio, flexibility, and strength. So I do everything from the yoga classes, the weight training, to the Pilates, to the to the Zumba classes. And I find that fun because you get to laugh a lot because I'm not a, that kind of dancer. Um, I do uh, ballroom dancing. That's the kind of dancer I do. You I do? Oh, that's yeah, interesting little tidbit about you. Cool. Yeah, for about 17 years I've been doing ballroom dancing. Uh, that's good because it's social, it's exercise, it's artistic expression. Yeah, yeah. And, and let me see what I'm leaving out. Um, how about pre-show? Is there anything you do before before you go on stage that really centers you and gets you in the moment? Yes. Uh, I don't always get to do it because of logistics sometimes, but I stretch. I start from head to toe, and I start from head and go to toe and, and do a little stretch warm-up. I uh, shake my body out just to kind of get uh, the blood flowing. And then I do uh, a voice warm-up, and then at the end of the voice warm-up, I do a... Shakespearean, I guess, soliloquy that I've memorized, and I say it very fast, and I try to do it without um, stuttering or, or skipping a word or, or stumbling over a word. If I don't get all the way through it, I start from the beginning, and I keep starting from the beginning until I get all the way through it. And uh, there's some things I just remind myself is to trust my experience, is to uh, breathe and take my time. I uh, remind myself to connect with the audience. Uh, to give space for the audience because a lot of times when I leave these great big open gaps, they give me something really fantastic that uh, that is a laugh that but it's about them. And uh, I actually think I got so fantastic at one point at making the audience the star of the show, the guests that come up on stage and all that, that I was in the elevator one time after a show and I was wearing a baseball cap and they didn't know I was a performer. And they went on and on about how all my volunteers were just so funny, and they couldn't believe that everybody I got on stage was so funny. <laughs> and I thought, okay, I need to, I need to bring it back a little bit, so I'm funny also. So I, I, I started to deliver more jokes, and I also started to focus on mind reading, which is, is really about me having a powerful mind, and so it changed the focus. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, that was that was an interesting. I guess you kind of keep learning about about what it takes to to uh, put put out a really good show and and honing it 
I mean, with like well, like any actor. It's not always evolving. Right. And also, it's not as much fun if it's not always evolving. Right. Wow, you're giving really great tips for anyone who's a performer. Do you teach? Oh, yeah, I, I teach. I use uh, uh, improv as the modality to teach. In other words, um, with an improv workshop, we can talk about facing your fears or creative problem solving or just an icebreaker situation. And most people bring it in for team building. But um, I, I find that improv is infinite and can be used to teach a lot of lessons. Yeah, for sure. I think improv is great for everyday life. Just saying yes <laughs> is good for for everyday living, right? So, I agree. So, Robert, if we go to your website, which is www.strongentertainment.com, you have all the information if somebody wants some more inf- some information about working with you, uh, taking your classes, or just wants to be entertained. You have some great videos on there. And that the one that I was watching earlier, you, you, you did a levitation trick with some, some, I think it was like guys in the Marines. Oh, my God, that video is amazing. <laughs> Yeah, that was, um, I was on the uh, Jerry Lewis telethon, and oh, right, was right. live, and that was uh, the first time I had ever, well, no, not the first time, but it was the, uh, the live television was, was I, well, I'll, I'll say it this way, I tend to not get nervous, I've been doing this since I was 12, and I had so much butterflies in my stomach, and I turned to my friend, I'm like, oh, this is what nervous feels like, because I totally forgot, it, it's just so natural for me to go on stage. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that was cool. That was very cool. And I, I thought those guys were going to fall when you pulled all those chairs out. So check out that video. Check out Robert Strong's website. And thank you so much. This is really interesting. I learned a lot today. Um, we didn't we didn't laugh. But if I go to your website, I'm going to laugh. And I'm going to practice my joke telling. And I'm going to write them down. So, you know, thank you. <laughs> one more plug I'd like to throw in there. Yeah, go, go. Um, I'm a producer of a speaker series about comedy called Comedy Talks, and the website is comedytalks.com. That's both comedy, T-A-L-K-S.com. And so far I've hosted three shows, and I interview a panel of three comedy legends, and they're not our generation, a couple generations older. And I've hosted uh, Carol Channing from Broadway, Rich Little, the impersonator, Steve Rossi from Allen and Rossi. I've hosted George Siegel, the actor, Paul Mazursky, the director. I've hosted um, Robert Morris from How to Succeed in Business, and currently he's on Mad Men, and a handful of other great ones like Will Durst, a political satirist. It's a really fantastic show, and there's some video clips on the website. I'm so glad you brought that up because I took a peek at that, and I wasn't sure you were still doing that. So I'm so glad because I'm going to watch for that. Awesome. Thank you, Robert Strong. It's so nice to see a Maryland-born and bred person doing really well. I hope to see you out on the left coast sometime. 